You're listening to Innovation in Education, the Pulaski Academy podcast where we share stories of how PA is inspiring students to explore, create, contribute, and achieve. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Ledbetter and Matt Pulley. All right, welcome to the Pulaski Academy podcast, Innovation in Education. My name is Matt Pulley. I'm going to be your host today for this episode. And the PA podcast uh, is where we share stories about how PA is inspiring students to explore, create, contribute, and achieve. And I'm excited about my guest today. My guest is Melanie Hinner. Melanie is our upper school learning services teacher here at PA. She holds a bachelor's of education degree in general education and in special education. Also has a master's of education in special education with an emphasis and emotional behavioral disorders, both from the University of Southern Mississippi. And uh, Melanie has, a bit more about her, has uh, certifications in general education from early childhood through sixth grade, math through eighth grade, has a special education early childhood through 12th grade certification, and is trained in Orton-Gillingham strategies through the Institute of Multisensory Education. That's a mouthful there. Uh, she has a vast background uh, teaching in all different grade levels through various public schools um, and has been at PA the last three years. Her husband, uh, Brandon, and also has a son, Liam, who's in kindergarten here at PA and has one on the way due in March. So welcome, Melanie. So glad you could join us for this episode. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Good. Tell us a little bit about you. Where, where you're from? Where'd you grow up? What'd you do? high school, all that good stuff. Um, I went to Hillcrest Christian School in Jackson, Mississippi my entire life uh, from kindergarten through 12th grade um, and then moved to the University of Southern Mississippi for both my undergrad and graduate degrees. Um, met my husband in college and he got a job here in Little Rock so I finished out my master's degree and moved up here with him um, and we've been here since. Awesome. And South, University of Southern Mississippi is in Hattiesburg. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, driven through there many times. There's a good burger place. The Hub City. It's yes. An hour and a half, any direction <laughs> to several different places that you'd like to go. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you kind of got. Uh, so much of your experience is, is in helping students, the learning services area. How did you get kind of called into that, or what what led you in that direction? When I was growing up, my uncle um, on my father's side had, um, at that time, they called it mental retardation. Now we call it an intellectual disability. Um, and I grew up seeing how he was mistreated by family members and other people in the general population. And it just broke my heart because there were things that as a child, I was able to teach him how to do. And as I kept growing and seeing the way that he was mistreated, I wanted to change that. So when I went to college, um, I decided that I was going to pursue special education so that I could help other p people who are like him. Yeah, that, that's pretty common, I think, you know, that at least, you know, I think today people don't have an understanding of, of what that's like, and, and uh, you really saw uh, kind of, you know, at a place kind of down in, deep in your heart where you could really make a change and help, help kids. Your experience really, as I was just was reading through your bio, really varies from all ages, but, but now here at PA, you predominantly work with ninth through 12th grade. Tell me a little bit about, do you like that age group and what kind of led to, 
to wanting to work with those that age of kiddos? I, I love the high school level. I spent most of my time throughout my um, teaching career with middle school students, and I loved middle school students. Um, I've spent a lot of time with elementary and um, early childhood as well, but when I finally got here to PA and was working with the high school students, I just love the banter that we can have. I, I love that their drive to do well. Um, I can have a real conversation with these kids and they can see that there's a future ahead of them and they're not just stagnated on getting through the next four years. All of these kids here are looking towards college and what's beyond that and I love to be able to see their vision. Yeah, that's kind of, I think, something PA has really instilled in not just the school, but the families here that education is a value and 100% and of our students go to four-year colleges. So, so you do, that kind of does change a little bit of, of the student mentality, the learning environment Absolutely. per se. Right. Well, tell us, Melly, tell me a little bit. I know probably not every day is a typical day, but what's, what's a day-to-day -day like from the time you get here in the morning, you know, throughout the day to the time that you go home in the afternoon? In a typical year pre-COVID, I would have kids that always met me at my classroom door. Even they'd be there before I was able to drop Liam off in his classroom. And they'll come in and we'll talk. We'll talk about anything um, in their school lives or their personal lives. We'll go over um, work that they worked on the night before or if they've got a test that day, we'll talk about how they can finish preparing for that test that day. And then when class time starts, I make sure that I look at every single student's grades and we talk about any assignments that they might be missing or any assignments that were low and if there's anything that they can do to make that better or make sure that they turn in those assignments. Um, and then the t students are typically allowed to work on any homework that they need to work on and I'm there as a support system. There's a lot of times where I'll sit one-on-one -on -one with kids and we'll um, work over their math homework or we'll, I'll reteach this concept or I'll read through their papers and make edits for them. I've been a peer edit for multiple different students multiple different times. Um, I've helped kids put their NHD boards together and I just, I do a lot of extra helping that tries to help make their day-to-day -day lives a little bit easier. So uh, when, when a student comes in, obviously they're going to have a, an IEP and, and you look at that and then is that kind of how you tailor, okay, here's what I'm going to do to meet that student's accommodations or tell me what that process looks like. Cause I, I'm assuming every student's different in terms of what they need. Absolutely. They're all completely different and we do have um, accommodation plans for every single student that comes to me and I um, will use those as a guide. But like you said, every student is different and just because those are the accommodations that they needed right when they got their evaluations done doesn't mean that those are the only accommodations that they're going to need. So I make sure that I follow those strictly whenever we're doing a test or an assessment. Right. But I'll always find other little tricks um, that I have in my little toolbox. I'll, if there's something else that's not on their accommodation plan, we'll try it and see if it works. Maybe they need a copy of their friend's notes and maybe it's not on their accommodation plan. Well, that's something that we're gonna try and if we need to add it to the accommodation plan, we can because those are always fluid documents. I know from where I am, you know, it seems like in the last couple of years, we, we're finding more and more families that are contacting the school, you know, asking about 
dyslexia and ADHD. So how many students do you see on a weekly, daily basis? What, what does that look like? I have about 78 students at the high school level, give or take a few, that actually have accommodation plans on file here at the school. I don't see all of those students every day because at this level we're trying to teach the kids to advocate for themselves, which means if they don't feel that they need that a spe specific accommodation, then we're not going to force them to use it, but it is there for them and available. Um, and all of the teachers have a list of those, so the teachers are knowledgeable of what the child is allowed to have. Um, but self-advocacy is a huge thing here at the high school level. Yeah, and I, I love that one of the things you said earlier, which I thought was so uh, good, is you know really that every every student is different. I think that's the approach here at PA as well. I mean, everybody, every child is different. Everybody needs different accommodations, has different needs, and I think we've really taken the approach here at PA as well is that not every student's going to learn the same way. They're going to learn a different way. So that small class size, that one-on-one -on -one approach, it's a big part of what we do here at PA and I think it's what is makes our students so so successful. One, one question and I think a lot of parents probably want to know at least for those that don't have a student that they know of that that have a you know a, a learning difference is what what types of diagnosis do you see? I mean, kind of, what does that look like? I mean, we hear a lot about dyslexia, but, but I know there's other things out there that kids you know, need accommodations for. Um, a lot of my students that I see do have dyslexia. That's been kind of a hot topic here in Arkansas yeah. in the last few years. Um, I also have a lot who have ADHD, um, some who have dyscalcul dyscalculia, which is a math calculation uh, disorder. We also have some who have um, dysgraphia, which is a handwriting disorder. I have some with autism, and I mean, it's just a wide variety of students with lots of different disorders. Well, one of the, I know one of the big misconceptions and something I want to dive into a little bit more with you is this idea that, you know, you can't necessarily have a challenging curriculum like Pulaski Academy, a college prep curriculum, and be able to accommodate those needs, but that's not necessarily true. Talk a little bit about kind of how we're going to, at PA, we're going to keep that curriculum challenging and we're going to offer those honors and, and um, college prep curriculum to students, but also we're going to be able to meet those needs. So talk a little bit about kind of how that works. We always are trying to help our students with learning disabilities to just access PA's rigorous curriculum. We accommodate we don't modify. So yeah. our students who are here are all doing the regular coursework as all of the other students. Um, it's the same curriculum and the same assignments, but sometimes the way that they present their knowledge is a little different. Um, the teachers sometimes allow different presentations or um, a paper rather than a, a, a verbal presentation or let them use their artwork to display their knowledge. They, the teachers are really excellent about making sure they can figure out if the kids know the information rather than just trying to make them do a pen and paper test all the time. Uh, we give the kids extra time on assessments and on assignments. Uh, there are some of my kids who like even just different fonts on their tests. There are some fonts that some of my kids with dyslexia like better than others, and um, audiobooks is a huge accommodation that we use all of the time. We, I, I've got audiobooks for our textbooks, I've got audiobooks for the novels that they read in class. Um, 
I scribe a lot of the tests for my, some of my students so that the disconnect between their brain and their hand doesn't happen whenever they're being given an assessment. You can actually get their actual knowledge and not have to think about, did I form that letter correctly? Right. Um, I let kids have copies of their peers' notes or the teacher's notes. I still require them to take notes on their own because we don't want them to learn to always take someone else's notes. We want to foster that learning of note-taking so that they can get their own notes eventually. But sometimes it's hard to take notes in a lecture if you're still combating some sort of learning disorder. Um, preferential seating is a huge accommodation that we use, and that's not the same for every kid. That's basically sitting the kid in the classroom where it's best for them to learn. A lot of kids, that's right front and center. But some kids need to be in the back so that they don't have all the other distractions of needing to turn around every time there's a noise that's made. Um, and there are a lot of my kids who I read their tests aloud to them so that they aren't misunderstanding some of the words that they read and it doesn't get misrepresented in their head. They actually hear the information rather than having to read it themselves. That's great. So, I mean, it just goes back to, I think, again, you've got so many different learning styles and needs and, and really your role has been to okay, find out what's going to work Absolutely. for that particular student and that's just I think what PA is about is, is being able to meet those individual needs. Tell me a little bit and if you you know think about maybe what your kind of philosophy is on working with kids if you have you know kind of if you can summarize that but what's your kind of your mindset or your philosophy on working with with students? I've always believed that every kid is capable of learning and they're capable of learning to great extents. They may learn in a different way and it may take them a little different time frame, but they're all going to be able to master the same concepts. It may take them an extra session with me or an extra session with someone who understands a different, like uh, Chinese, because I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> but they're capable of doing this work if we give them the proper tools. I love that, and that really reminds me of kind of your story of your uncle, you know, is being able to see the potential in people and, 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 uh, and bring that out in them. It just takes, I think, a person, a teacher like you to say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help draw that out out of each, each student. If there's, um, you know, if a parent's listening to this today, they're not at PA, and they're thinking, you know, I don't know if PA can help my child, um, you know, I, you know, we've thought about Plastic Academy, we're just not sure. What would you say to a parent thinking, you know, my child has this learning difference and we need to find a place where academically they can really be pushed and challenged, where the bars raise a little bit higher. We're just not sure if PA is the right place. What would you say to a parent like that? PA has been one of the best places that I've ever worked because our learning services department works together as a team. We all have the same goals in mind of trying to get all of our kids to be able to access the grade level curriculum. And every level of the school works together to ensure that that happens. And it doesn't matter what the disability category is, all of our teachers in learning services have always looked to each other. If we can't find an answer, we look to each other to see if there's something or someone who could help us. And that goes also back to the um, Institute for Multi Multisensory Education. PA brought 
that program into um, our learning services department. And PA has actually trained all of the ECS teachers, the lower school teachers, and the English teachers in the middle school, as well as myself and the learning services teacher in the middle school in that Orton-Gillingham uh, methodology. And that's so important to the testament of PA because they know that just because that system was developed for kids with dyslexia, it's good for all kids. And PA is really interested in making sure that everyone is able to access the curriculum. Yeah, that, I'm so glad you mentioned that because the Orton-Gillingham, I've been down in the lower school <laughs> classrooms and seeing the kids tapping out the sounds yeah. on their on their arms. But you're right, I mean, it, it, it is, and you know, PA has made a significant commitment and investment in helping students with learning services. We have a phenomenal department, a great group of faculty, and everybody, as you said, is really involved with that. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's true that, you know, um, and what I would tell parents also is, hey, you know, just come, come and look, come and, and visit and chat with Melanie. I've done that before. I've brought parents in and to ask specific questions that you've been able to answer based on kind of what you know a little bit about that student. But that, I, do, I do want to move into something because you're talking about your job. But share with me, what do you think is, or what's your favorite part of this job or maybe the most rewarding part as you kind of think about I, the kids, the, the kids are my favorite part. I just love the camaraderie that they have with each other and then getting to see them outside of the classroom, going to football games or going to uh, performances, just watching them grow. And I've, with this being my third year here, I've been watching several years of students grow and it's amazing how you can see their personality and their um, responsibility just blossom from ninth grade and just this group of juniors. I've watched them ninth, 10th, 11th grade and they're different kids. They're yeah. just different kids. They're more responsible. They're more respectful. Yep. They're, they just change so much and that just, that makes my heart happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, there's no doubt that uh, that you're making an impact on them. Uh, the times I've been down here and seen the group outside your door, and and, and as I've talked to kids, uh, I mean, you are making a significant impact. And, and I think it just goes back to your story, how you know really how you were called into this um, this position, and, and you are making an impact on on kids' lives, and we appreciate that. Well, this is uh, this has been my guest, Melanie Henner. Melanie, thank you. Uh, great conversation and. If you're listening today and, and would like to learn more about Pulaski Academy, we'd love to have you come and visit the campus. Um, of course, in these COVID times, we are kind of a little bit limited, but we are doing campus tours and would love to set one up for you. And of course, if you'd like to meet with, with Melanie, we can, we can arrange that as well. Our PA podcast site, if you go there, you can find links to how you can connect with the PA community, our, what we call our VAC site, our Virtual Admissions Center link is there. Also, if you have an idea for a story, there's a link where you can submit a form and share an idea for a great PA story. We'd love to hear that as well. But our VAC site is there at thepavac.com, and uh, we encourage you to go and, uh, and visit that where you can connect with, with the campus and community. Well, this is Matt Pulley, and thank you for listening to the PA podcast, Innovation in Education. We're excited about content we have coming up soon, so check back on our podcast site as we'll be releasing new episodes here coming shortly.
You've been listening to Innovation in Education, the Pulaski Academy podcast, where we share stories of how PA is inspiring students to explore, create, contribute, and achieve with your hosts, Greg Ledbetter and Matt Bullock.